Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright. That there is Howard Tybal. Hey, Pete. How are you, bud? I'm fantastic, Howard, as always. I'm better every time I get on the air with you. Mutual love fest. <laughs> hey, what, are we, what are we talking about today? We have spent the past many moons on this show talking about things like uh, instituting huge change and how do you, uh, uh, you know, how do you communicate strategically across the institution. It has been a long time since we've talked about any of these specific, uh, you know, uh, specific angles that business officers and institutions are taking to uh, to help actually. Uh, mitigate some of these cost overruns. And an article hit the Chronicle that I thought was fascinating, and I wanted to get your insights on it. It was a very brief news item. Uh, Faculty members at Texas flagship criticize shared services plan. Uh, I think this one's interesting because we've talked about shared services on this show before and how shared services can be a a boon to efficiency and uh, to the organization. And yet, this is one of those examples where uh, the faculty has come back saying we have lost or we are losing, we're at risk of losing uh, a key uh, part of the relationship that comes from having these services internalized. Shared services have been around for so long. I mean, there are schools that employed that 20 years ago, and for them, they wouldn't know any other way of doing it. What's interesting, it is coming back. Uh, you know, a lot of the work that we're doing uh, in helping schools think through cost saving opportunities or new revenue, uh, shared services is top of mind in a lot of cases. Some schools haven't done what I would consider to be the very basics. For example, putting shared services around the student-facing functions like student financial aid, the bursar's office. Uh, that that whole face of shared services has been uh, put in place in many schools, but many schools even haven't taken that step. And that's a, that's what I would consider to be a low-hanging fruit. What's interesting about this one, uh, this example, is that you know, my first reaction to reading this is that the school didn't do a good enough job of involving uh, faculty in explaining how it's going to work, uh, why it's going to work, uh, and be a benefit to the school. Now, I say that not being close enough to it because one of my messages often when I'm speaking is that sometimes it's a few that give the impression that many have such a negative reaction. The truth about this one is that it actually might be a few faculty who feel very strongly about not going this direction. They have enrolled uh, you know, some other faculty in this and then made the paper. So it is hard from the outside to tell how much resistance there really is to this. Uh, you know, when you read, uh, they warn that the adoption of shared services uh, would harm department's commitment to university education and social mission by devaluing and all that. My my gut reaction to this is so much of what happens here is it's out of people's fears. There is no guarantee it's going to uh, devalue the bonds now. Well, and I, w- I want to interrupt you there because it's going to change the bonds. That that quote I think is important, and I I, I want to reflect on that one specifically. That the devalues bonds between faculty and staff that develop from working toward common goals. Now, I, so, I, so here, but here's the here, here's where I stand on that. What they're looking to do, my guess, is a change. 
And the change it's going to change the bonds. It's going to change the way we work together. And they have probably spent a very long time developing a way of working together that works. There is no way around the fact that the way we've worked together uh, is impacted by saying we're now going to go to shared service model. So instead of you sitting at your desk, we're going to have the central group that we're going to reach out to. Uh, again, I, I, there's a part of me that part of my challenge in this is that I know too much. And let me know too much about this one, but I know the nuance in these kind of conversations. And my, my gut sense, Pete, is that, uh, well, let me put it this way. It is going to devalue the bonds. Now, 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 you know, imagine hearing me say this to faculty. Well, then we shouldn't do it. <laughs> it is going to devalue. That's it is going to devalue. Right, right. So, but here's here's the devalue. It's it's in that concept that we have in our in our managing through change workshop, is that we have to let people go through uh, grief, right? This is. If the school chooses to do this and move forward, any school chooses to do to move forward this, what we have to be prepared for is not that people are going to line up and say we're really excited, but that they're going to be allowed to accept the fact that they don't like it, and that but they're going to work through it, and you're going to help them work through it. There's no other way around this. I think that's a mistake when schools try to take people from being comfortable in the way things are to being excited about the new way. That doesn't happen. And in, and unfortunately, I think too much of that becomes the focus. Like we, we don't give people a chance to get through uh, mourning a, a change that they that in the short run is going to be bad for them because it changes the nature of the relationship. What is it that it feels like there are two places that that you know potentially um, we can we can raise some flags. The first one is how to approach uh, the you know these constituent audiences, particularly I'll say faculty and staff, um, to help. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for to help uh, bring them into the process earlier? You said something about that earlier in our conversation here. I wonder if you could reflect a little bit about, about that. What could they have done to help maybe head this particular issue off at the past that you've seen done in the past? Well, I, again, one of the things that you and I don't know is in uh, the pursuit of finding interesting things to write about, uh, a faculty member was able to get the Chronicle's attention. And in fact, it's not nearly as big. My guess is if you ask different people, it's not nearly as big. But, but well, putting yeah, that I aside. Mean, yeah, putting that aside, let's just uh, let's speak sort of uh, hypothetically okay. here. You know, So this is what you do. Uh and this is what I'm seeing that's successful. And I'm working with uh, a particular faculty member who's a faculty chair. He's not the provost, but working with the faculty chair on a project. And he is a champion for a change that is going to change the way uh, work gets done at the university. Now, that is unusual uh, in that and a change that's being driven by the administrative side of the house uh, is often uh, looked at by those not involved in terms of this is going to be bad for us. What this institution did, and I don't know enough about Texas in this case, is that they put faculty or a faculty represent, representative who was respected by their peers in a position to tell 
the truth, or me, not the truth, but basically tell it like it is to the faculty, and he's listened to differently than if it's head of administration talking to him. So if I was to give any advice, and I would not do one of these projects again without doing this, you need um, academic representation, whether it's the provost, doesn't have to be, sometimes the provost is the wrong person, uh, but a faculty leader or somebody respected by the academic side that where they will listen uh, and know that their voice is heard in these kinds of projects. That goes such a long way. It's a very simple thing to do. Uh, for some schools listening to this, they might say, yeah, it's simple to do, but not here, because they can't, you know, they're thinking, I don't know of of, of an academic who would really work with us to do this. That's part of the work going forward is reaching out and finding ways to build better connections between you and the academic side of the house. I do think that it's a big issue when these changes get sort of slammed upon you, particularly as yeah. uh, as big as shared services. I wonder if you could talk just a second on the back end of it, uh, having seen some of these uh, you know, shared services implementations come through that are successful. Are, is there anything we can give to people who are uh, maybe on the verge of a shared services type implementation that they can actually look forward to? Verge of considering doing it or verge of going live? Going live. You know, we've got these uh, these institutions. If I'm a faculty member and I you come to me and say, you know, we're going to do shared services, we're going to change the way our staffing model works, you're going to be working with, uh, you know, a very different set of people in a very different way. What is, is there a potential sort of, uh, you know, silver lining? That, yeah, uh, something yeah, we can look forward is. to from a faculty and staff perspective. Yeah, and, and but again, it's it's uh, it's a dual edge because everybody wants uh, everybody wants their job to be easier. Uh, I was just in a academic administrative retreat that I led, and one of the things the financial uh, head of this group said is, "Let's have a conversation about how we can make your lives easier." Now they were at the end of this retreat. They were there was a collective thank you that you're listening to us, but there is a truth around this change. You put shared services in, what you will get over time is a higher quality of service. You'll get better reporting, you'll get better data entry. Why? Because you're getting uh, a group doing something more frequently that uh, as opposed to very often at the staff level within a department, they don't do some of this technology. Uh, and I, and I, I bring technology change in because I think that's a big driver for um, bringing shared services is that you've got, um, you've got schools that have brought in all kinds of HR financial systems and there's an expectation to do things at the local level. So, a shared service over time is going to produce a higher quality of output. The truth is, in the short run, it's going to make it harder because you're going to have to work a little differently. But it's all a function of your willingness to deal with change. And there's a to the extent that you as a, a sponsor of this project, a shared service, or overseeing the project, can find a way to minimize making the work harder for people who haven't had to do some of this work, uh, offering assistance, uh, taking feedback, uh, 
this will help you get let them get through this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, and I can appreciate faculty's perspective of this, they didn't sign up uh, to teach or do research uh, to focus on administrative functions. You know, interestingly, I just reflected in my mind just now, you know, sitting down for a physical. And I, I recently got a physical and my primary care physician was sitting in front of his computer, logging directly into his system while he's talking to me. And I'm watching him going, this is, they are doing business so differently. And my guess is some have acclimated to this and embrace it. And others look at that and go, that's the last thing I want to be doing is doing data entry. Uh, but you should have seen this guy. It was brilliant. He was still offering me a high-quality service, and he's clicking in different fields, asking me questions. Unfortunately, I think that's that's where some of this is going. And if we can make it easier for people in the transition, all the better. Well, I think that's a that's a, a wonderful message to close on. This idea of adaptation is not something to uh, to be feared necessarily. It's it it is change. It's hard, but at the end, we have something to look forward to. Yeah, and and, and I would say that you know, and again, I'm saying this more and more, and, and it's resonating with people as I say it. We have to allow ourselves and others to go through the discomfort of the change. Uh, the fear is understandable. It's like it's going to slow down my job. Uh, I'm not going to be as productive. But over time, uh, that product that the productive the productivity picks up significantly if you have that right mindset. Uh, Howard, this is a great conversation, and we, I'll post a link to the uh, to the quick news item for those who are interested in following up a little bit. But um, uh, you know, I think it's a just seeing this pop up on the ticker there at Chronicle is a fascinating. Um, I think a sign that that there is work to be done in this area for folks. Absolutely. Uh, to learn more about this show and subscribe for free, you can head over to iTunes. Just search for Navigating Change. We pop right up there. Or you can head over to tybalink.com. You can listen to the show on the web. And, um, you know, we sure appreciate your uh, kind comments and five-star reviews. If you have four-star reviews, save those for another podcast. But the five-star <laughs> reviews we will gladly take. And uh, uh, thank you so much. On behalf of the goodly, kindly Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change the podcast from Tybal Inc.